the J Talk podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Hello and welcome to the J Talk podcast. Ben Maxwell and Sam Robson with you. And Sam, well, the second half of the J1 season certainly got off to a banging start over the weekend. Once again, chock full of goals and uh, so many talking points. Yeah, it was a fantastic weekend, really. I'm um, on tossing with the old reverse card against Shonan, getting uh, revenge from that first uh, weekend. But yeah, plenty of goals, plenty of action. And yeah, great to have the league back. Absolutely. Yeah, remarkably, uh, Tosu have come from 5-1 down to win the first set against Shonan, seven games to five. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking about that game in more detail very shortly, but um, as well as uh, Japan's uh, excellent win over Peru uh, last week to boot. But um, yeah, we're beginning on a bit of a, well, a little bit of a somber note, and it'll be a surprising note for all of our listeners, uh, Sam. A, A door is closing in your career uh, this very day, Monday, as we record. And, um, yeah, it ultimately it will affect your availability at times for the podcast going forward. Yeah, it was a kind of a bittersweet weekend, I suppose. It's the last weekend I'll be working at Football Radar. There are various changes with the business. They uh, made me redundant. So today, as we record, is uh, my last day, which is a shame. I've had a yeah, great eight and a half, nine years covering uh, the J-League. I'll continue to try and follow it as much as possible and be involved in the podcast as much as possible as well. I'll be still around for a, a good month now, so you can't get rid of me that easily. But yeah, going forward, it'd be a bit more sporadic whenever I can with my new job, which I'm going into starting in July. So yeah, real shame, but thank you to everybody that's helped me out with my work for the last uh, nine years, especially to you, Ben, for your podcast with Stuart and John was uh, yeah the great help to start with. So yeah, really enjoyed covering it and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll continue to do so. But yeah, Real, a bit sad that it's, uh, it's come to an end, but yeah, we carry on. Indeed, yeah, what a journey. And uh, well, yeah, we've got a lot to be thankful to Football Radar for, for, uh, for first introducing uh, you to us um, and us getting to know you through your job there. So uh, for that, we're uh, very grateful. But um, yes, they've I think they've done you a bit dirty here and you've been very gracious there. Uh, so it's a, it's a real shame that your time there has has come to an end but uh, yeah a new beginning and uh, a, a new job that I'm sure you're looking forward to getting stuck into but yes it, as we said it will affect uh, uh, to some degree uh, your availability down the line but yeah uh, whenever possible and uh, whichever day of the week that happens to be yeah we certainly want to keep you uh, on board as a co-host of the podcast um, yeah there will be weeks here and there that you won't be available that I'm sure the listeners will understand but uh, yeah we'll uh, we'll get um, we'll get other people in to, to fill the breach and uh, step in when is necessary. So, yes, with that uh, slightly uh, sombre news taken care of, let's uh, return to, uh, well, happier times on the pitch for the Japan national team. And uh, we said on last week's episode, unfortunately, we uh, we had to record our team of the half season episode before Japan faced Peru at the Panasonic Stadium on Tuesday night. And, uh, well, Sam, uh, Japan certainly pr- uh, pr- uh, produced uh, an excellent performance, the uh, by far the tougher of the two opponents on paper. But, uh, yeah, Peru were, uh, yeah, taught a bit of a lesson, weren't they, and returned home with their tails between their legs after a 4-1 uh, four, uh, defeat. Yeah, I thought Japan were fantastic. Uh, Peru, obviously, they just beaten... South Korea in South Korea, there was I think there's one place between the two sides 
in the FIFA rankings. They've been to World Cups fairly recently. So, yeah, we expected a really tough test for Japan, much more so than the El Salvador game. But Japan, I thought, were magnificent. They uh, just completely outplayed Peru as soon as they went 1 or 2 nil up. I think the Peruvian heads dropped, but it was one of the best attacking performances I've seen from this Japan side. I thought it was very good with Kamada, um, Mitoma, Furuhashi and Ito as that front four. That's just so much quality there. To think you've still got Kubo and Doan, etc. on the bench. I thought they looked really, really good. Hatate again had another good first half in this one. And defensively, pretty solid as well. So, yeah, very little to complain about. It was a very um, productive um, international break from Japan and really positive. I mean, can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, Moriasu, yeah, Moriasu, give him four more years. <laughs> oh, geez, you're, uh, you've gone a bit <laughs> overboard there, I think, Sam. But yeah, no, the uh, obviously the results speak for themselves. And uh, yeah, 4-1 with uh, as a very unlikely opening goal scorer in uh, Hiroki Ito, who, as uh, Sam uh, guessed on last week's episode, would uh, would get the start against Peru after Rioja Morishta did so against uh, El Salvador. So, yeah, Ito opening the scoring in the 22nd minute. Uh, Kaoru Mitoma, obviously very much the man of the moment for Japan, made it to 2-0 eight minutes before the break. Uh, Mitoma then set up Junior Ito for 3-0 just past the hour, and uh, Daisen Maida capitalised on a uh, pretty dreadful back pass to make it 4-0 with 15 minutes to go. Uh, Peru's consolation goal coming seven minutes from time. So we're tremendous stuff from Moriyasu, Japan. And, uh, yeah, we look forward to what they'll serve up in the next international break. All right, then, uh, let's move on to J1 match day 18. And for the second time this season... We're leading the episode with a game between Shonan and Tosu that has produced six goals. Uh, listeners, you might recall way back after match day one in uh, overreaction theatre, there was nowhere else we could start than with Tosu one, Shonan five at the real estate agent in front of the station stadium. Well, Tosu have bided their time. And on Saturday, they showed that revenge is a dish best served with a pint of uh, St. Gallen, uh, the locally brewed craft beer that always does a roaring trade outside the Lemon Gas Stadium on match days. Uh, Tosu made a flying start, Sam, and simply never looked back. Uh, Yuji Ono leading the line was the hat-trick hero, and he got them going in just the second minute when he fired past Daiki Tomi, who was, uh, again, preferred after an international break to Song Bum Kyun. I wonder if uh, Satoshi Yamaguchi was uh, ruining that decision as early as the second minute. Well, it's very. It's another weird decision. It happened obviously uh, after the March one. I don't know what route Song takes from Korea if he goes the <laughs> wrong way instead of hopping across. But uh, yeah, really strange. I don't think I can entirely blame Daiki Tomi necessarily for the goals uh, conceded here. But it's a really weird one. Hopefully for Shohan's sake, they put Song back in in midweek. But yeah, Tommy just was a bystander for a lot of these goals. I thought Tosu were magnificent. They took advantage of a few mistakes at the back. From Shonan, but unlike for large parts of the season, they were absolutely clinical. And Yuji Ono was uh, becoming his own Yuki, Yuki Ohashi in this game. I thought he was fantastic. The the two goals here at the um, the first two goals both were incredibly well taken. Well, that's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm very harsh on Tommy there. Yeah, as you say, there's nothing you could do uh, about the the first two, especially, and obviously the third one for Ono 
is a penalty uh, four minutes after the break. So, um, yeah, for uh, for Shaunan, there were certainly a number of uh, chances up their end. But, yeah, nothing went in past uh, an inspired Park Il-Gyu, who, again, clearly had revenge on his mind as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, after Orno completed his hat-trick, as I said, uh, inside the first five minutes of the second half, Taichi Kikuchi set one on a plate for uh, Yuki Horigome to make it 4-0. And then late on, a pair of uh, Tosu subs, Yuta Fujihara and uh, Ryanosuke Kabayama got in on the act to complete a, a stunning 6-0 win that saw, uh, well, Shonan's slide complete, Sam. They were top after match day one. They are now bottom for the first time this season after match day 18. And, well, it's easy. It's obviously the lazy analysis after you get beat 6-0. But um, they are in huge, huge trouble. I don't think there's any question about that. And um, with the shoot on much, you know, I'm not sure if this was his official uh, farewell or not, but he's seemingly on his way out. And um, they uh, they need to turn things around very, very sharpish. Obviously, there's only one relegation spot. There are teams around them on a similar number of points. It's not like they're going to be cut adrift in the next two or three weeks unless they lose a 6-0 a couple more times. But, um, yeah, they are gravely in need of a spark. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's very worrying times for them. I blame us, to be honest. After that first game, we were so cocky about our prediction of them not being in that bottom three. And we thought that Johnny had got it horrendously wrong. And uh, we <laughs> got egg on our face. And unfortunately, Sean and have suffered from it because, yeah, they've just got worse and worse as the season has gone on. They um, just defensively, they usually were so solid at the back. And obviously, this is an outlier in terms of six goals conceded. But they've been really open um, throughout. They've been chopping and changing at the back. They can't really settle. The only um, one that's there all the time is Sugioka. He was out of sorts in this game, especially well, the concession of the penalty, but otherwise giving the ball away on numerous occasions. And uh, yeah, it's just um, a team lacking quality, unfortunately. They, uh, without match, you know, for the first half in here, but once he goes, I mean, there's not a lot of goal scoring in the team. And if they can't defend, I mean, it's a recipe for, for disaster, as you say. Yokohama FC, Kashiwa Ray still is still there and there or thereabouts with them. You think Niigata, they've got they're showing signs of dropping uh, into that relegation battle, and you could argue maybe Kyoto, Gamba, you could also drag those in. So it's not uh, the worst thing in the world. They're not cut adrift or anything, but they've got to be worried about it. Maybe this midweek game, you can pull up a surprise against Urawa. Strange things seem to happen in that fixture, so you never know. Uh, but yeah, it's looking uh, not great for them. So they're going to have to replace Match, you know, pretty well in the in the summer. I don't know how much money they'll get for him. They'll probably just loan him for nothing and uh, to get nothing. But they really need to sort out various areas of their squad. Obviously, the goal scorer, but also maybe a holding midfielder would be necessary. Another centre back, uh, something like that. But yeah. Plenty of issues for Shonan going forward, and uh, it's going to be very difficult to see how they bounce back from this. I think having that game in midweek is ideal because they don't have to just settle in. They can go and rectify things pretty quickly. But yeah, another big loss to Reds, which seems unlikely given they don't score too many goals, but uh, nor did Tosu. Well, that's it. Yeah, uh, Reds are probably licking their chops and thinking, well, this is the uh, the team we want to be facing at the moment. Uh, rock bottom in terms of confidence and uh, having just been... Uh, Smashed 6-0 on their home patch. But yes, um, for Shonan, yeah, if if Yamaguchi is indeed still in a job on uh, on Wednesday night, it would be um, 
difficult, for, I guess, for them to sack him now with that game on Wednesday to come. But, uh, yeah, he's got to pick his players up and take them up to Saitama and uh, try and get a performance out of them. So, yeah, it'll be a very interesting one, I think, to watch uh, on Wednesday night. But, uh, yeah, for Tosu, um, yeah, everything they hit went in. And uh, for Yuji Ono, um, yeah, a, uh, a terrific display from the veteran, as we said, getting them off to a, a rip-roaring start and then, uh, yeah, completing his hat-trick uh, uh, early on in the second half. So a huge turnaround, obviously, in fortunes for these two clubs from the opening day of the season there was one other uh, match day one rematch on the uh, j1 match day 18 slate and that's where we're going next on sunday a uh, vispa fukuoka hosted visel kobe and we mentioned on uh, on last week's episode that this was had the potential to be a crunch game for visel the visitors as uh, if uh, either uh, f marinos or nagoya had won on uh, on saturday evening that would have opened up a pretty sizable gap to Kobe who uh, were traveling down to face uh, Fukuoka who are uh, as we all know uh, a very obstinate opponent and uh, often very hard to break down and uh, well as it turned out on Saturday and not to play spoiler too much uh, listeners uh, F Marinos did hold up their end of the bargain and beat uh, Hiroshima away but uh, Nagoya were beaten at FC Tokyo but that meant that yeah Kobe went to Avispa on Sunday night at six points adrift of the leaders, of course, having spent so much time in the first half of the season top themselves. So uh, I guess a gauntlet was thrown down in front of Vissel on Sunday night, Sam, in the driving rain at the Best Denki Stadium in Fukuoka. Uh, there weren't a, a huge number of chances for Kobe throughout the match, but ultimately they were clinical and they held up their end of the bargain and uh, uh, returned home with all three points after a 3-0 victory. Yeah, it was a good professional performance, but 3-0 is a harsh one on Avispa. You, you say they're very um, they're difficult to beat most of the time, and they proved that in this game as well. I thought first half they were probably the better side. I thought they were pressing high. I thought their midfield played really well, as did the strikers, but you'd listen, like, Wellington was starting. Now, he missed a couple of good chances that maybe Lukian would have taken, maybe if it was Yamagishi taking them, maybe he would have taken them, but... Yeah, Vispa looked good. They were more on the front foot than they usually are, and I think that was to do with the defensive issues they have. There was no Douglas Grolly in this game, no Daiki Mia, and Kennedy Mikuni got injured in that first half as well, so they're really scraping the barrel in terms of defenders, and I think that kind of caught up with them more so in the second half, but I thought they were positive. Idaguchi was getting on the ball, he was having pop shots from goal, he was at least up for it, and uh, causing a few problems to Kobe, but Vissel... And managed to get through that. And then when you've got Osaka and you've got Muto in the form that they are in, one chance they were given in that first half from a poor pass. Osaka takes it, perfect run forward, played it to Muto. There's a great run from Sasaki, which takes the defenders away, keeps the space for Osaka as he gets it back from Muto. And that's the finish. Once Kobe went 1-0 up, they were more in control of that game. And uh, it was difficult, really, for Vispa to get in. But so. Uh, but they tried really hard. I thought they made it difficult for Kobe. But in the end, that quality of that, those those two players um, was the difference in this game. Absolutely. And they uh, more than justified their places in the uh, the J-Talk J1 team of the half season, Muto and Osako. As you said there for the opening goal, uh, Sam scored by Osako in the 22nd minute. And yes, Wellington missed that glorious chance with literally the last kick of the first half after a, a sublime backheel to set him up by uh, Masato 
Yuzawa. Then, uh, yeah, his halftime replacement, Lukian, couldn't get his volley on target in the early stages of the second half. But uh, credit to Kobe. Uh, as uh, as we've uh, as we've said, Fukuoka were very good at times, but uh, yeah, Kobe clinical and um, yeah, their chances were a premium, but they made them count. Uh, Muto with a a second half brace, uh, the the second for Kobe, his first of the evening came on the hour after uh, an improvised setup from uh, Hotaro Yamaguchi. I, I'm being kind to Yamaguchi there. I'm not sure if he actually meant to tee it up for Muto or not, but it, it did. Uh, he did set it up fairly nicely to, for Muto to take it down and then sweep into the net to the left of uh, Takumi Nagaishi. Again, uh, f- musical chairs between the sticks at uh, Fukuoka. And then, uh, M- yeah, Muto wrapped up the points with a close-range volley from uh, Ananase Ino cross with three minutes left, though uh, Nagishi did deny him a hat-trick when he parried away uh, an 89th-minute volley from Muto. So, uh, yes, Gauntlet was thrown down in front of them, Kobe, and they have uh, responded the, the, the gap at the top to uh, F. Marino is, uh, yes, still three points, as it was when the, the match day started. And, of course, Kobe do have a game in hand against uh, Kawasaki to come, and if they win that, their goal difference at the moment is slightly better than if knows, so that would see them return to the summit. So uh, next we'll head to that game then that we've mentioned, Hiroshima nil, Yokohama F Marinos 1, and uh, yeah, a game I wasn't able to watch live, Sam. So when I uh, sat down in front of my computer today with the, the stats in front of me, uh, more than 20 shots to Hiroshima and uh, uh, around 10 for F. Marinos, I was expecting to be uh, dazzled, as we often are, by uh, Hiroshima's play and uh, them uh, f- yeah, fashioning numerous chances that just don't work out for them. But instead, I um, yeah, the the Zone Japan uh, YouTube page really struggled to find any clear-cut chances for Hiroshima. And um, yeah, it, it made a, a mockery of the stats, basically. So uh, I think you're going to have to talk me through this one. It was uh, F. Marinos just keeping... Hiroshima at arm's length and um, restricting them to half chances from distance because, yeah, nothing even really registered on, on the highlights package apart from uh, Takumu Kawamura bundling a ball just wide of the post um, in the second half, and that was about it. Yeah, you got more than the Journey International YouTube who did not find a highlight for Hiroshima, so that's yeah, very misleading. But I thought this was a fantastic performance from Yokohama F. Marinos. I don't think I've said that very often this season, but they put it all together in this game. They were completely dominant from start to finish. They got a little bit end-to-end maybe at the start of the second half where Hiroshima did come into it and they had half chances, but again, more restricted to pot shots, nothing very clear-cut. They didn't really force Ichimori into any sort of save. And F. Marinos at the other end, they put together some incredible moves. I thought Elbert was not happy that he was missing out on our squad uh, last week he put in maybe his best performance of the season he yeah, really caused so many issues down that left hand side for Hiroshima and yeah Marinos it was like vintage Jeff Marinos they played perfectly they took their chances uh, well they looked the better side throughout and this was yeah their best performance of the season they thoroughly deserved 1-0 if anything and I know the stats don't suggest that in terms of shots it could have been three or four to F Marinos before uh, Hiroshima would ever get near the goal. 
Yeah, well, fantastic stuff from uh, F. Marino is a terrific way to start the second half of the season. As we've said uh, throughout the first half, they've um, they've worked their way up to the top, and obviously they deserve it after uh, you know that many games have been played. But yeah, they haven't necessarily hit the heights of um, well of last year and uh, certainly of uh, of previous seasons when they've been irresistible at times. But uh, yeah. It um, it did look very impressive, and once again, the irrepressible uh, Elber was uh, was the key man. He shot them into the lead five minutes before the break after he uh, picked up possession on the left, 10 yards inside the Hiroshima half, surged forward, then drove across the box before firing low inside Keisuke Osako's right-hand post. One of those where it looks like um, you're playing on easy level in, in FIFA. Your player can run really fast while the uh, the, the computer's defenders uh, just simply can't keep up with you. And, uh, yeah, once he had a head of steam up, Elber, um, yeah, there was uh, literally no stopping him. And, uh, well, inside the last 15 minutes, Sam, uh, Asaki uh, Weinaka certainly justified uh, Johnny's call from last week of uh, him being one to watch in the second half of the season. He was uh, all action, uh, had the ball in the net from a Kota Mizunuma cross only to be uh, correctly flagged offside for just failing to hold his run. Then he forced a, a stunning low save from Keisuke Osako after uh, Ryomi Ichi led a lightning-fast counter-attack. And then he blasted against the bar from range. So, um, yes, Wainaka, I think, uh, is a name we're definitely going to have to get used to uh, in this second half of this season. And, uh, yeah, just uh, another attacking weapon that uh, Kevin Muscat will be able to have faith in now uh, in the uh, in the second half of games and might even be pushing for starts by the end of the season. Yeah, very impressive performance and a very important one, really, because we've said before what happens if Anderson Lopez gets uh, an injury and maybe Wernaka could be that answer. He's missed uh, quite a bit of this season so far with injuries. He's not played as much as he would have liked. He's not maybe got the game time in the Levain Cup that he would have hoped for. But, yeah, very impressive, as Johnny mentioned last week in the the, uh, League Cup. And I thought this was a very good um, cameo performance for the last 30 minutes. He was like immediately clicking with everybody. His work with Miyuchi especially, uh, I thought was very, very good. He was bright. He looked like so much more than Sugimoto coming off the bench. It's night and day, the difference between the, those two in terms of their, uh, their the way they change games coming on. I thought, yeah, he looked really, really good. Uh, I know that there was lots of hope for him coming from Bivar and Nagasaki, but he's only young. He's still only 21. It's going to take a little bit of time, maybe before he can establish himself, but this was a really positive performance. So hopefully for him and Marinos, he gets a lot more game time, maybe half an hour, 20 minutes each game off the bench to really build up, get his fitness back. And then, yeah, he could prove a really crucial weapon um, at the second half of the season. Absolutely. So uh, impressive wins then for F. Marinos and for Vissel. But uh, yes, the the third team in the top three, uh, Nagoya Grampus, they did not have it their own way on a Saturday night at Ajinomoto Stadium as the the new manager bounce certainly had an effect for FC Tokyo uh, as they defeated Nagoya two goals to nil, both com- both goals coming from Diego Oliveira. And uh, Sam, the uh, the Peter Klamovsky era uh, began in a, uh, well, quite a sweary, uh, swe- a sweary way on uh, social media uh, last week with, uh, yeah, Klamovsky's first meeting with his players 
uh, basically broadcast in full on uh, on Twitter on the official FC Tokyo account. Uh, it began with handshakes and it ended with a a, a number of f f bombs from uh, from Komovsky and um, yeah, my Japanese isn't, isn't good enough to know how uh, literally his uh, translator uh, translated his uh, his comments, but uh, I think he's certainly going to have his <laughs> his hands full uh, this uh, this translator whoever whoever he might be um, with uh, yeah Komovsky's language, but uh, you can certainly see the passion in his yeah his opening address to his players. But uh, well, not so much in uh, in some of the greetings that was uh, that was given out by some veteran players that I, I mentioned. I might have been concerned with on last week's uh, episode, in particular uh, Keigo Higashi. And um, if you've seen the clip, I'm sure you're aware, listeners, of the um, the, the less than warm embrace between uh, Klamowski and Higashi. That well, it didn't have anything to, to do with Klamowski, but uh, yeah, maybe Higashi. Maybe uh, could see the writing on the wall when uh, Klamowski was appointed and what it might mean for his future and uh, how much he's going to play going forward. Uh, and then, of course, there was an, uh, another picture tweeted by the club of um, uh, of a training picture with uh, Klamowski clearly about to unload an F-bomb at Higashi, who stands with his uh, hands on his hips and uh, a whiny expression on his face. So, yeah, this was, um, yeah, this was just terrific stuff. And if I wasn't already a fan of uh, Peter Klamowski, I certainly was after uh, those, um, yeah, couple of things that were shared by the club officially. And, well, then the game happened and, uh, and Tokyo were very good, Sam. So uh, as uh, first impressions go, uh, Klamowski certainly made a, a very impactful one, I think, on the supporters. Yeah, very very worrying, really, if this is the end of Keigo Higashi. I know I don't want to live in a world where Higashi's not a guaranteed name on the team sheet for FC Tokyo. I don't know how you would cope with it. You're you know, <laughs> delighted when he was named captain and all that. But, yeah, I, it was a very interesting week on social media for FC Tokyo. I'm looking forward to the Amazon Prime documentary. I don't know how much could be broadcast, but that would be fantastic yeah. um, if that got done. But, yeah, on the pitch, I thought Tokyo were excellent. Um they played with a purpose for the first time in forever. I thought they were magnificent. I think this was the best Shuto Abe performance, maybe since the first time I saw him. I thought he was magnificent. He was leading that press in midfield. They were all over Nagoya. They didn't let them settle. They looked very good on the ball. It was just so much energy in this team. I thought the changes that were made were good. Uh, Koizumi out to right back. Yes, I think he's probably better in central midfield, but... Getting him at right back, I thought he was very good. It got Nagatoma back to his more usual left back position. Yes, it's my he's not the player he used to be, but I think he's better and more comfortable on that left hand side. I think Tokamoto, uh, maybe I don't think he's quite up to the level needed uh, to be a J1. Well, to be challenging for the ACL for, um, in the J League, I don't think he's quite there. Centre backs were very good. Uh, I liked that Jakub Slovic was not asked to pass out from the back. I thought that was the biggest thing I took from it, really, was that I expected Slovic to be passing it out and being caught out, and it'd be all horrible because that's how Klamovsky previously has wanted to play. But he's taken a leaf out of Angie's book with the way he's dealt with Joe Hart at Celtic. He's not comfortable playing it out from the back, so he doesn't. He just gets rid of it, and that's that. And I thought that worked out really, really nicely. And then going forward, playing Watanabe into that number 10 position, I think he got on the ball a lot. I think... Yeah, issues with Nakagawa being injured quite early. We didn't quite see how that wing play is necessarily going to work, but 
he got the best out of Diego Oliveira as well. I mean, he was fantastic. The two goals he scored. So, yeah, really, really positive for FC Tokyo. I, I take some credit by saying I thought Nagoya would just pick them off. So, obviously, that didn't happen. So, you've got your three points. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't have asked for a better way to start. Yeah, how does it feel as a Tokyo supporter? Absolutely, uh, definitely encouraged. Yes, yes, I have to say um, it was. Uh, yeah, that's the right word for it, I think. Yeah, and again, I, I, I did consider asking either Alex or Thomas on this week. And obviously Dan was at the game as well. But um, uh, yeah, it's up to Klamovsky to make Tokyo relevant again. And um, if they can work their way up the table, then don't worry, listeners, we'll definitely be uh, chatting to one or, or two or three, all three of those guys as the season progresses. But yeah, it's um, the first step under a new coach. And um, yeah, as, as we said, as first impressions go, it was very, very encouraging and um, yeah, if there uh, if there is some life in some of the old dogs in this squad, uh, Keio Higashi aside, then um, yeah, I'm all for it. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, putting uh, putting faith in in Klamowski that this is the sort of job that he's been um, yeah preparing for, and he'll be he'll be right up for it. And uh, yeah, as we said, a, a very strong start and uh, two terrific goals, as you said, Sam from uh, from Diego Oliveira. They probably should have gone ahead a minute before they eventually did in the uh, the 17th minute uh, terrific work from Oliveira found uh, Ryoma Watanabe unmarked just inside the penalty spot it wasn't the finest hour for one of our team of the half season selections Haria Fuji but uh, yeah Watanabe curled wastefully wide but uh, a minute after that um, the same pair combined but only in reverse and then uh, that Oliveira had the finishing touch where Watanabe didn't um, yeah terrific finish from Oliveira shifted the ball onto his left foot and saw his early low drive fizz into the net just inside Mitch Langerak's right hand post um, in the 77th minute though Oliveira should have wrapped up the points when he pounced on a, a loose Grampus pass, drove across the box past Langerak, but then with just one Nagoya defender on the line, he somehow missed the target to the left. But then three minutes later, he he did finish Grampus off. Shuto Abe not closed down on the left and given time to pick out a cross into the centre. Oliveira heading back across Langerak and into the net. A first win in five for FC Tokyo, and um, yes, a very pleasing beginning to the Peter Klamowski era, and uh, long may it continue. All right, uh, next, Sam, we'll move to the game that uh, I picked out as my one to watch, and uh, well, uh, uh, just for a change, the Sapporo game had a few goals in it, but uh, yeah, I uh, I certainly got my comeuppance as well. I said uh, in last week's episode that Sapporo would rise to fifth in the live table if they won at home against Cerezo Osaka in the early game on Saturday. Well, the visitors saw my fifth place call and raised me a spot up to fourth with a 4-1 win up at the Sporo Dome. Yeah, an extraordinary result. I don't think anyone was necessarily seeing this one, but Cerezo, a bit like Kobe, were just clinical. And Sapporo give you chances, and then Cerezo absolutely took them. Muski Kata, who's... Uh, not really had too much game time. He's just come back into the team. He's not really hit the heights of maybe a couple of years ago, where especially in the League Cup, I think he was really, really good. And mm. yeah, he's not had much chance with Leo Ciara, but they paired them together with uh, Okuno out injured, and it really worked. And he just put in a fantastic performance. And uh, yes, yeah, Cerezo just took the game away from 
uh, Sapporo really clinical finishing in that first half to be good uh, to go three 0 up, and Sapporo are going to keep playing the same way. They keep leaving uh, the door open at the back, and when you're in the form that Sorez were in in that game, um, yeah, they just kept on scoring, and it didn't really materialise in the second half that. You're thinking maybe because Sapporo got it back to three one. You thought, okay, this could be another one of those five fours or whatnot, but they didn't <laughs> yeah. really materialise. I thought Cerezo defensively were very strong second half and took their chance when it came. So yeah, uh, as another team, I wasn't particularly high on last week, but yeah, they've put in a very good performance. Yeah, I mean their three first half goals were uh, absolutely brilliant, weren't they? Uh, they made a, a super fast start uh, just as uh, Tosu did away at Shaunan with their uh, second minute goal. From uh, Leo Ciara, as you say, uh, paired up up front with uh, Mutsuki Kato, I think, for the first time this season. And uh, they didn't waste any time at all in uh, clicking into gear. Kato crossing and uh, Ciara instinctively uh, sticking out a leg to volley in uh, across from Kato. Uh, two minutes later, it was almost 1-1, but uh, Takoro Kaneko's 25-yard shot was deflected onto the bar. But then, yes, the next two goals were absolute thunderbolts. Firstly from Kato, who were capitalised on a heavy touch from uh, from Yuya Asano and from 30 yards, uh, and in the blink of an eye, uh, the ball was uh, flying in past Takanori Sugano, an absolute rocket from Kato in the 17th minute, and then uh, seven minutes before the break, uh, Cerezo were in dreamland after a simply brilliant first-time hit from 25 yards from Hinata Kida, but uh, yeah, well, as you say, Sam, it had all the hallmarks of a uh, another rollicking Saturday afternoon up at the Sapporo Dome after Takuma Arano's goal in the 45th minute, but I guess, yes, Cerezo reverted to type in the second half and returned to their solid defensive roots, which is certainly not easy to do against a, a Sapporo team who will continue to go at you, but uh, yeah, they uh, they just carried on uh, and actually, of the two teams, were, were arguably the the more likely to score again uh, with uh, Kato and uh, Jordi Crooks both hitting the uh, the woodwork in the early stages of the second half. And they uh, they did wrap up the points with 15 minutes left when uh, Ciara unselfishly squared for Shinji Kagawa, who uh, dinked a delightful finish over Sugino for 4-1. So, uh, yeah, a huge result for Cerezo and their fourth in the table, as we said, uh, yeah, uh, apologies to them. I wasn't really entertaining the the uh, the thought of them winning this this game at all. I was just expecting a Sapporo would carry on their uh, their fun times up at the dome, but um, yeah, maybe they're returning to their uh, inconsistent ways, or maybe those inconsistent ways never really left. And um, yeah, the the odd uh, thumping of an opponent here or there has just got me conditioned to thinking. Uh, they do that sort of thing every single week. But, um, yeah, just for a change, five goals in a Sapporo game. So uh, the punters up at the Dome always certainly do get value for money. No question about that. And it did turn out to be a perfect weekend for the Kansai clubs in J1, Sam, as uh, Kyoto and Gumbaro Osaka both won 2-1 at home. So, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll head to the Sanger Stadium next for the six-pointer against Yokohama FC. It, um, well, for large parts of this game, it didn't look uh, like it was going to end up being a positive afternoon for Sanga, as uh, Yokohama FC had the better of the chances in a first half that was, uh, I guess, uh, most notable for one of their substitutes, Hirotaka Mita, being shown a, a straight red card in stoppage time for arguing 
and uh, making very slight contact with the linesman down by the corner flag. Yeah, it was a very weird uh, one. I think um, the linesman or assistant referee had given a throw into Kyoto. It was a poor decision, but the substitutes were warming up in quite an area, and they all rush across meter leading it. He's just gesturing. He's uh, throwing his arms about. He does catch the official. I think it's accidental. I don't think it's a violent conduct, but it definitely isn't his head as a and Meter seems to have been told um, that's what the red card was for. But, yeah, he was sent off. Bar had a look at it. Obviously, they see the contact. and Still, uh, they stay with the red card. I think it's really harsh. I don't think it was necessary. And, uh, yeah, it was not great actions from Meter. I don't think he should be remonstrating in that manner. Uh, but, yeah, to give him a red card for a, an accidental brush on the chest, I think is a little bit overboard. Yeah, very strange one. And then, um, as we said in the green room, we uh, the the rest of the game was played out with the, obviously the the score up in the uh, the top left hand corner of the of the screen and a red card um, icon showing there for Yokohama FC, even though they were playing with eleven men. So it would have been very confusing for anybody just tuning in uh, to watch the second half and um, counting up that Yokohama FC had eleven players, but uh, wondering where that's come from. So. Um, again, this is a very minor thing, but uh, a strange thing to for the uh, the, the broadcasts uh, broadcasters to do, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it obviously gives the false impression of how the game's playing out for anyone that's uh, tuning in and watching. Because obviously, yeah, it might have changed the game like, if he thought, "Oh, I'm going to bring me to run in the second half," but they weren't playing with ten men, so yeah, a bit of a strange one. But I, I don't know; it's not one you're very used to, so I don't know what the correct uh, way of displaying it is if they have to uh, display it at all. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they could put the uh, the red card underneath the team name or something. But again, yeah. that would take a long time for people to get used to that. So again, that is not hugely significant. Listeners, don't worry about that. Um, but again, um, yeah, do you concur that your Karma FC uh, appeared to be the better team and uh, indeed uh, carried on throughout the uh, the second half? And uh, no, I don't think so. I thought Kyoto were the better team. They just didn't. They had all the ball, Kyoto, but uh, Yokohama FC sat really, really deep, so they didn't really create anything for large parts of the game. But yeah, they had all the possession for a good 60 minutes, but they were just then picked off a little bit. And yeah, the highlights would show that the best chances did come Yokohama FC's way, but they were kind of few and far between. I thought Kyoto had yeah all that dominance, but didn't really weren't able to break through. And it's been a tactic that. RFC have reverted to in the last few weeks and they're getting results by it and they almost got away with one here as well they just got a little bit sloppy uh, towards the end of the game they were sitting in well but then made some strange changes uh, to Kumi Nakamura who's last time he played in the league had that horror show against uh, Bissell Kobe he was brought on for the final 10 minutes as was youngster Tiger Nishiyama I think it really uh, just kind of broke up the st- stability at the back. They just then weren't really together with the rest of the defence. It caused a few holes to open and Kyoto took full advantage of it. So yeah, I thought, to be honest, that it was a fair result for Kyoto. I think just on the, the balance of play, I thought they had uh, most of the ball. But yeah, Yokohama FC, it definitely is a tactic that can work. And if they were a little bit more clinical because they did have the chances to win that game, then it would have worked out perfectly for them. But yeah. Yeah, I thought Kyoto would have been hard done to to have not come away with at least a point. No, fair enough then. Okay, so that's a great um, explanation, there, Sam. And thanks uh, again. Yeah, oftentimes, uh, highlights packages uh, can be misleading. There's no doubt about that. But uh, yeah, it was your camera FC 
who took the lead in this game. In the 72nd minute, uh, Rioja Yamashita's blast came back off the post. A minute later, Yamashita was replaced by Sho Ito. And a minute after that, with his first touch, uh, Ito stooped to head in across from Towa Yamane at the near post to give the visitors what appeared a priceless lead. Uh, Ito's first goal in J1 for three years. But uh, yes, Sanga... Uh, were uh, not to be denied and uh, made it two straight wins with a couple of goals late on. Firstly, with the six minutes left, they equalised when uh, Shogo Asada's tremendous cushioned header from uh, Kazunari Ichimi's cross went in off the fingertips of uh, Sven Brodison's desperate dive. That was Asada's first ever J1 goal. And uh, three minutes later, they won it when uh, Taiki Hirato crossed from deep on the right Patrick bravely stuck his head in and steered the ball in off Brodison for a uh, sensational winner. So, uh, yeah, Sanger still in the bottom six, as are Gumba, who we're coming on to next. But uh, both of these teams now have uh, seven points uh, uh, clear between them and uh, Shonan at the bottom. So these uh, two straight wins for Sanger and, uh, yeah, Gumba making it four on the bounce have, uh, yeah, very much steadied their ships in uh, in recent times. So uh, with that all that said, and, uh, yeah, hopefully Sam giving uh, the appropriate amount of credit there to, to Kyoto, which I uh, didn't necessarily, as I said, the highlights were uh, fairly one-sided in terms of chances for Yokohama FC. Uh, next to the, uh, the Panasonic Stadium and uh, Gumba's 2-1 win of their own, over Kashima Antlers uh, for uh, Gumba. One, Alano headed wide early on and then was denied by a smart Tomoki Hayakawa save in the 13th minute. But uh, fullback Keisuke Kurokawa put Gumba in front two minutes after that, cutting in from the left and running on to Hideki Ishige's back heel before firing home a terrific finish across Hayakawa for 1-0. Uh, on the half hour, Ishige's shot hit the outside of the post as Gumba pushed for more, and the fans at the Panasonic Stadium did not have long to wait to see their side go 2-0 up. But, Sam, it owed a lot to a dreadful marking and goalkeeping from Antlers for for Darwin to make it 2-0. Yeah, summed up their game. They were dreadful throughout uh, Kashima, and, yeah, this is really poor goalkeeping. He's, you know, this is maybe his first real full season in terms of starting. Uh, he's not that great a goalkeeper. He's fine, but it, this was a poor error. It's the worst one he's done, but, uh, yeah, it's uh, not great from him. It was a very tame header from Darwin. It would only just about cross the line if uh, Hayakawa wasn't there, and he kind of helps it in in the end. It's poor goalkeeping, but no less than Gamba deserved, especially in that first half, I thought they were very much on top. They were the one team going forward, the one team looking to play football. And yet yeah, Kurokawa was uh, one of his better games this season. A fine pickup in the fantasy jailing, I have to say, from myself. And I'll <laughs> <laughs> dine out on that one this week. But yeah, um, they were fully in control, Gamba, in this first half. Uh, they were very, very good. Uh, deserved that 2-0. Just Kashima, they just, they, yeah, they play long ball, which works most of the time, but his head has done. It's managed to get them on a reasonable run up the up, up the table. But yeah, this one didn't work out at all. I thought Gamba dealt with everything they threw upfield pretty well. Maybe they were missing the guile a bit of uh, Diego Patuca in midfield. He was suspended for the game, but uh, yeah, they didn't really get much going. Kashima. It was quite comfortable for the most part. For Gamba, yes, we'll get on to Gamba conceding from a corner as they usually do, and they're, they're going to do it probably every game. 
but yeah, in open play, I thought Gamba were very good and they've continued that run. I thought this was going to be an interesting one after they'd had that good run against some poor teams previously um, before the international break. This was going to be more of a test for them, but they've they've come out with it out of it really well. So yeah, the, it looks quite positive at Gamba Osaka at the moment. It does indeed. Uh, Johnny mentioned on last week's episode that uh, Isam Jabali was uh, suspended for the game and he wondered uh, what um, what impact that might have. Uh, Danny Poyatos went for uh, Takashi Usami up front uh, in uh, Jabali's place. How did that work? And um, if, uh, if Jabali happens to be missing a game here or there uh, through the second half of the season, do you think that's something that uh, Poyatos might revisit with uh, him seemingly having... Uh, yeah, not too much faith in Masashi Suzuki these days. And uh, I think, as Johnny said last week, there are question marks over whether Suzuki will still be at the club uh, by the time the transfer window closes. Yeah, he managed to get the bench Suzuki this time, which was a slight surprise to me. But yeah, Osami was the obvious uh, go-to for this. He's not the same profile of striker as Jabali. He doesn't bring the same qualities necessarily. Uh, but yeah, his movement was pretty decent. Uh, I think... He caused a few problems to Awada, especially. He had not really been ruffled too often this season. But, yeah, Osama was pretty decent on a couple of chances. Uh, not quite the same impact that Jabali had been having in recent weeks. And he was subbed off midway through the second half. So I'm still not I'm not convinced that this is a permanent place for him. I think if you're going to get him into the team, I think maybe that left wing position is going to be the area. Shukarata has done well since coming in, but he went off injured before the half hour mark. So... If I was a betting man, I'd say Jabali comes back in attack and Usami goes out to the left wing and maybe is a little bit more comfortable, maybe it's a little bit more natural in that wide position than the sole striker role. So he did fine, uh, yeah, looked lively enough, but yeah, I don't think Jabali's position is under any threat. No, no, fair enough then. Um, so yeah, it was 2-0 at the break, thanks to Kurokawa and uh, Darwin. Sam, now 90 seconds into the second half, uh, Yuma Suzuki thought he'd halved uh, Kashima's arrears only for the linesman's offside decision to stand after a VAR check. I'm not sure if we need to break out the drop or not, but um, it, it did appear to be a puzzling one uh, for me on the replays. It looked like the ball had come off a, a Gumba player as it made its way through to Suzuki, who might not have been offside when the uh, the initial shot came in. So what was your overall conclusion from, from this decision? Was the uh, the right one reached? I'm not, I'm not sure. That's, that's my uh, honest answer to it. Um, as Sunamoto fires it in, that's where they've given uh, and fires it in the shot. If the, if the free kick comes in, it's heady clear. Eventually, Sunimoto drives it in, and then it eventually comes to Suzuki. So Suzuki is in an offside position as Sunimoto strikes it. That's shown by the VAR afterwards. His shoulder was offside. But the difficult part of it is, that as it's fired in, uh, Riku Handa makes a clearance or an attempted clearance and slices it towards uh, Suzuki. So the referee and VAR have to determine how much control there was in Handa's clearance. If it's just a mistake from Handa, then he should be allowed to continue and Suzuki is given onside. But if they deem it's just a deflection, as they must have done in this case, then Suzuki was, they take his position from when Sunimoto drove it in and they showed his shoulder was just offside. It was quite a tight one, but it was offside. So I'm going to have to assume the referees know the law better than I do because I was discussing this with, Alan Gibson on Twitter and neither of us were completely sure what the current state of the rule was. So, yeah, let's go with it. It's ruled out a Suzuki goal. It's a little harsh given it's just his shoulder that's slightly offside. It's a very tight one, but 
yeah, I assume they've made the correct decision. So we'll leave the VAR drop for this week. No, fair enough then. All right. And uh, as you said, they uh, they did concede from a corner uh, gumba, but it wasn't until the 88th minute when uh, Naomichi Wada headed in uh, Yuta Higuchi's delivery. Um, but yeah, it was uh, too little too late. And uh, Gumba celebrated a fourth straight win that uh, also saw Kashima's nine league game unbeaten run uh, come to an end. All right, so uh, two games left to cover listeners before we leave you on this week's episode. And uh, once again, just for a change, uh, Urawa Reds have uh, drawn again, but at least they were able to uh, score some sort of a goal on <laughs> on uh, on sat- Saturday night, Sam. Uh, they hosted Kawasaki, a, a banner game in the uh, the J-League uh, calendar every single year between uh, two huge clubs. And, um, well, what they served up was... It was certainly something, and these two goals, uh, I think, will be will be talked about for a long time to come. But for the supporters of each club, they'll want to forget them for uh, for very uh, very separate reasons. But um, yeah, ultimately, a a mad five minute period early in the second half, a, a crazy goal apiece, and it ended one one at the Saitama Stadium. Yeah, ridiculous, most of it. I've got a few weeks off now, so I think I might delve into creating blooper DVDs for the J-League because this season has given <laughs> me so much to work with. But, I mean, what can you say about these two goals? Just absolutely ridiculous. The first one, uh, Kami Fukumoto, we've been patrolling 40 yards from his goal for most of the game. This one, he reaches it, he meets it with a header straight to second A in the centre circle. But you have to say, the finish from second A is magnificent. One mm. touch to control and then to finish from that far out, yes, the goalkeeper's not there, but it takes some control and, yeah, really good effort from them. But then Reds just must have thought, felt sorry for Kawasaki. I don't know what was going on. I can't really accurately describe this, but they're just messing about, or I'm sure Pete Klamowski might have different words to say if he was, if he was describing this, but <laughs> uh, I won't use that. But they're just messing about with it, playing it. Under very little pressure in their own area, just knocking it between themselves. Eventually, it goes back to Nishikawa, who just somehow completely miscontrols it and ends up kind of walking into his own net. So, yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> 1 1, 2, the weirdest goals you'll ever see, but par for the course, I suppose, for this season, the J League. Yeah, just uh, just mental. And, yeah, I mean, you, you've summed it up well there. Second A's uh, a stunning. Shot from inside the centre circle after Kami Fukumoto has basically headed the ball straight at him. And then, yes, Nishikawa, um, an innocuous pass from Kenny Wao back to him. Um, not overhit, not uh, putting him under any sort of undue pressure. But uh, as Nishikawa basically looks to shift the ball uh, and uh, basically turn right, he uh, instead uh, side foots it into his own goal. And... Um, yeah, the the own goal catalogue is is bursting at the seams uh, this season. There's no doubt about that. And um, yeah, that mad five minutes. Uh, well, it's yeah, not overshadowed isn't isn't the right word, but yes, it dominated the the uh, the, the rest of the game, I suppose. As it, in the first half, there'd been good chances for uh, for Tomoaki Okubo and uh, Yasuto Wakizaka at uh, either end. Actually, a couple for each of them in the first half. But then, uh, yeah, Sekine came on at half-time and uh, eight minutes into the second half. He obviously had a, an instant impact with that uh, long-range goal. Then um, in the uh, the 72nd minute, I guess uh, the, the best chance that Kawasaki had 
to win it came when uh, Yusuke Sagawa was sent uh, racing away down the left, but uh, sliced wide past the advancing Nishikawa. And, uh, well, how about this cameo from uh, Kazuki Kozuka-sam? It uh, only lasted four minutes off the bench. The uh, the Kawasaki man shown a straight red card for sliding in and catching uh, Alex Schultz on his ankle. But, um, yeah, Red's unable to uh, to make do with the uh, the man advantage for the last 15 minutes or so. No, they were really poor. They didn't really create too much. Kawasaki's seen this. They've had so many red cards, but they kind of seem to be better once they're down to 10 men and they defended pretty well. But, yeah, it's not the greatest afternoon for Kazuki Kozuka on for four minutes. Poor challenge, studs up into Schultz, no real complaints. And I suppose that's what you get for taking Ryota Oshima off. He just put in a fantastic pass to Sagawa. Then he's uh, subbed off and his replacement goes within four minutes. So, yeah, just leave Oshima on, let him play 90 minutes. He's fine, there's no injury concerns. So just carry on. But, yeah, Red's <laughs> disappointing. They're just... That's the big thing. They just don't seem to look like scoring goals. They're trying to change it up a little bit with Kante starting in this game, Kuroki coming off the bench. They played uh, Takahashi from the wing. He only lasted 45 minutes. They've tried, but I don't think they have the options and they don't seem to want to play Moberg or Linson, at least from the start, and neither are in the squad here. So, yeah, I'm just waiting on the shuffling of the foreign players. Hopefully they can find some sort of clinical finish. It's still beggars belief that they decided, well, their score should decided that Caspianka was not worth trying to get anything out of at the start of the season because it's so obvious where their main issue is. And uh, yeah, I think that's the one thing that's really keeping them from a sustained title push or my or ACL push. They yeah, vital a uh, couple of months to try and uh, yeah find some goals from somewhere. Indeed, and um, yeah, the, I mean, the stats make interesting reading. These two, uh, both with a game in hand on uh, the teams around them, with the exception of, of Kobe, of course, up in second. But uh, yeah, these two are the, the, the joint lowest scorers in the uh, the top 10 uh, in the league. Um, I mean, mind you, there are other teams very close to them in terms of their, their goals for column as well. For example, Hiroshima's only scored one more goal and uh, Kashima three more than uh, the 21 both Reds and Kawasaki have scored through their 17 league games this year. But, um, yeah, a very um, disappointing, frustrating period of the season, I think, for uh, for, uh, for Red supporters especially, where they've, they've seen very good opportunities to win games and work their way up to the the very sharp end of the table. Uh, they've seen them go begging, and uh, well, another one presents itself, as we've said on Wednesday night when uh, when Seanan visit. But uh, yeah, they've got to um, they've got to turn their uh, performances into wins, into goals, into results. And uh, yeah, the last three games have all been drawn, and uh, while they're on a uh, a decent unbeaten run, yeah, they're uh, they're not doing enough to to win games. And um, obviously, that's how you uh, need to be pushing up the table but uh yeah anyway so the uh, the spoils shared at Saitama Stadium on Saturday night as they were at uh, Hitachi Dai in uh, Kashiwa and uh, it didn't turn out to be squeaky bomb time at the Hitachi Dai after all Sam uh, Kashiwa nil Niigata nil and uh, yeah I think I found the sweet spot uh, Dazone Japan they must be uh, contractually obliged to show at least 8 minutes and 30 seconds of highlights from every single game because somehow they've managed to squeeze that length of time, obviously including the starting lineups at the start and a bit of a zone sting 
uh, for five or six seconds at the end of it because, um, yeah, in the the first half, literally nothing happened uh, to the point where we had a minute and a half of replays of a Koji Suzuki chance that was uh, offside and uh, saw at least 15 replays of that, um, even though the goal wouldn't have counted uh, either way. So um, one of those games where, uh, yeah, two pretty ordinary teams uh, simply cancelled each other out. I mean, there was some uh, some goal mouth action um, in the uh, the second half that we can come on to, but uh, yes, this first half looked like an absolute non-event. Uh, yeah, you've seen more than me in terms of the highlights because uh, we didn't get any on the uh, <laughs> the international one. They decided we don't need to see that. And to be honest, I racking my brain from Saturday to see if I can remember anything from this game in the first half, and nothing is really springing to mind. I think. Yeah, Kashiwa, I expected, I, I, I've expected more from them all season. I just thought with Niigata, without Ito and without real creativity, they didn't look too much of a threat. They didn't really become a threat um, in the second half either. I thought this was a chance for Raisal to really uh, take the game to them, to maybe get a vital victory and pull themselves a little bit clear of um, the relegation places. But they didn't really. They resorted, There were a few chances, mainly for Matteo Savio, but kind of not caught too well, generally shot straight at Kojima, and really they didn't um, threaten Niigata as much defensively as a lot of teams have done because they've chopped and changed. They're not a very good defensive outfit. Niigata, they can be got at, but Raisal, you thought after the previous games where, yes, they'd lost them, but they'd scored goals. I thought, okay, maybe this is the time that their season turns around, but yeah, I think they'll see this as a missed opportunity. But they have to know that Hugo Tatsta, not not in the squad, a clean sheet. That has, it's not a coincidence. And hopefully they look at that for next week when they're putting the, the team together. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, well, in the second half, yeah, my man, uh, Yu Takomi, headed uh, Naoto Arai's cross straight at uh, Kenta Matsumoto. And, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, a couple of chances for Matteo Savio either side of the hour mark. But, uh, yeah, Ryosuke Kojima equal to those. Uh, with 15 minutes left, Kojima pushed a shot from a racehold sub. Yuki Muto passed the post. And then uh, both teams had good chances to win it in second half stoppage time. Albert X's Kaito Taniguchi shot straight at Matsumoto from Tommy's cutback. And then uh, Muto's first time blast was parried over the bar by Kojima. But it ended goalless. And uh, that is it then for uh, match day 18 of the uh, the 2023 J1 season, Sam. A... Uh, yeah, obviously, I started the episode with a with very much a bang with the Tosu's huge win at Shaunan, but um, yeah, a bit of a uh, a fizzer at uh, Hitachidai to end with, but that's the way it goes, of course. And um, yeah, before we leave this episode, then we'll uh, look ahead to what's coming up in match day 19 with a uh, reminder, of course, that uh, yes, there is a game on Wednesday night with the uh, Urawa and Shaunan playing their game in hand at uh, Saitama Stadium. So, uh, yeah, for various reasons, that's an interesting one to check out if you're free on Wednesday night. But uh, then uh, match day 19, there's a game on Friday, seven on Saturday and just the one on Sunday. So what is Sam's pick of the weekend? Sam's pick of the weekend. Yeah, I thought, do I be more adventurous or do I go with a free hit? And I've decided to go with a free hit of Vissel Kobe versus Constantoli Sapporo. I think you're guaranteed goal. If that's nil-nil, I mean, ugh, 
I just don't know what I'd do. I can't imagine it being nil-nil. But yeah, it should be really exciting. Sapporo are going to go at Kobe. Kobe looks so good at picking teams up. I just think this is going to be end-to-end. It's going to be really exciting. It's going to be a challenge for Kobe if Sapporo turn up because they can turn over anyone on their day. And I think this is the absolute nailed-on game for the YouTube. It's going to be Iniesta's last game. Maybe he makes the squad this time. Maybe not. I think it'd be quite harsh on Mr. Yoshida if he. But I'm from Mr. Yoshida if he doesn't put him at least in on the bench for a small cameo at the end. But yeah, I think plenty of eyes are going to be on this game. But uh, yeah, the football will take away from it, whatever Iniesta does because it should be a really good game. So sorry for taking that away from you. That easy doddle. So uh, yeah, have you got anything else you've got your eye on? Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, obviously, we're interested to see what Sean are doing Wednesday night. And then on Sunday, the only game on Sunday, they visit uh, Yokohama F. Marinos for a Kanagawa derby. It's top versus bottom. And it's obviously a little bit later on in the season. But uh, remember what uh, Sean Un did in uh, match day 15 last year, Sam. They were second from bottom, only hapless and... Um, yeah, completely witless. Vissel Kobe were below them at that point, and they rocked up to uh, Todoroki to face then leaders Kawasaki. And of course, we all know what happened. They beat uh, the then leaders four nil away from home. Now, um, I can't even imagine the odds you could get on um, on Sean to do something like that on uh, on Sunday night at the Nissan Stadium. And I'm certainly not suggesting that history will repeat, but um, and again, with, with the proviso, they do have a game to play on Wednesday night. Um, I just think it could be an interesting one to watch for for numerous reasons. If uh, if Marinos are going to click into gear and uh, their performance away at Hiroshima is a sign of things to come, well, if you tune into the, this game on Sunday night, listeners, you might get um, you might see Sean and hit for six again. Who knows? But um, if there's any sort of reaction from Satoshi Yamaguchi's side, then uh, maybe. They will uh, use the uh, the occasion of a derby to get up for um, for putting on a performance for their supporters who obviously don't have that far to travel. But um, I'm sure we'll be doing so with trepidation. But uh, yeah, so uh, a good old top versus bottom clash is is my pick of the weekend for well a multitude of reasons for the fact that it could be absolutely anything at the Nissan Stadium. And um, yeah, we'll be back to review it all. Next week, Sam. Uh, again, uh, you uh, you depart football radar, and um, it's uh, yeah been quite a journey for you there. So, as you said at the start of the episode, um, a, a bit of a shock to the system, but uh, onwards and upwards. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be reconvening next week. So I look forward to chatting with you then. Yeah, I look forward to it. I've got four weeks off now, so I'm gonna love life for the next month or so before the next job gets gets going. Um, yeah, let's see how it works. Trying to find as many of these games as I can over the weekend. And if you're interested, 4-0 Shonan is 150 to 1 away at Yokohama F. Marinos. So, yeah, maybe that, that's how I can supply myself with money for the next month. Whew, that's a, a bit of a tempter, listeners, when you, uh, yeah, when you follow, uh, when you follow the J-League, you, you know that literally anything is possible. And, um, well, yes, please bet responsibly. I think it's the uh, the uh, the advice to take from uh, the uh, from this episode. All right, so we'll uh, we'll leave it there. That's it 
for this week's episode of the J Talk podcast. Uh, Sam and I would like to thank all of our patrons for their ongoing support on Patreon. If you'd like to get involved, please visit patreon.com slash jtalkpod. And uh, yeah, we'd like to thank you listeners for listening wherever you are. We'll be back next week to review J1 Match Day 19. Speak to you then. Bye for now. The J Talk Podcast. Yes, 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 yes.